All right, well, good morning, everyone. So uh, that was probably like the greatest walk-up song I think I could ask for. I feel so amped right now. I was there just like, that is who you are. Yes, I feel it. So good. Um, good morning again. Uh, my name is Ryan. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. This is my first time visiting the Resonate community. Uh, I am the director of student ministries at New Life Christian Church in Glendale, where I serve with Pastor David Cobia. Uh, and I'm very grateful for David and his family. Uh, they are wonderful people, and they have blessed my life and continue to bless my life um, with their friendship and leadership. Um, so I have known of Resonate for a few years, uh, but this is my first time being here in community with you all, and I'm just so happy to be here. I love the setup. I love the space. I love that I can smell the ocean. <laughs> this is so nice. Uh, just the Everything is great. I love the sort of like art space feel. You can do so much with a space like this. And as I was talking with Sean, I have heard that you have a projector over here sometimes and you can change how you do things, um, which I just think is so awesome. So what a cool space to be able to worship in every week. And I uh, feel so honored anytime I'm able to share the word with a community for the first time. Uh, I find that such an honor. So I don't take this lightly. I'm very happy to be here. And I'm very excited uh, to be sharing uh, the word with you all today. So we're going to be looking at the story of the golden calf from Exodus, Exodus 32. And why did I choose this story? Well, I chose this story because I wanted to look at this scene from a different angle. Some people may have heard the story of the golden calf building an idol while Moses is gone, and we'll get into that. Uh, but I wanted to look at what maybe did this golden calf represent for the people who created it. And if we took the focus off the fact that they maybe did something wrong, and if we focus more on the intention behind their actions, I think we might get a better picture on who this community was. And, um, you know, we, we might get to know them a little bit more intimately, which I think would be good because, you know, this is a, this is a community in Exodus. They are uh, a group of people who've trusted in God to lead them out of something. They're sort of new at this. They're new with each other. They're new with traveling. Um, and so they're young. They're, they're a young group of people who've put their faith in God and are moving forward. And so I thought, well, that, that kind of resonates. So, what? That was unintentional. <laughs> unintentional, but I felt that resonated with us today. So, um, so we're going to look at Exodus 32. It's a long chapter, so I'm not going to read all of it, but if you want to just keep it open on your app, or if you have a Bible and you want to put that little thing, where you, the little string, you can put that in there, just to keep it. Keep it. <laughs> so, so let's look at uh, the first part of, of Exodus together. And I'll read that for us, but it's up on the screen. And I just want to thank whoever has the ministry of slides, because this is so beautiful. Thank you so much. Is the person who did that here for me to publicly acknowledge them? I, I don't think she is. I think it's oh, okay. Well, just amazing. So thank you, because the, what I put together was like so basic in keynote with like sans serif font, like it was not <laughs> cute. So this is great. Thank you very much. So I'll read this. So when the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So Aaron answers them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed them and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, 
who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw he, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and pre presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Revelry. Clearly had my Wheaties this morning. <laughs> so what's going on in this story? I'm just going to step away for a minute. Uh, so what's going on in this story? Moses has been gone for a while, and he's up on the mountain. He's writing the Ten Commandments. So he's up there just chiseling away, Ten Commandments. And the group begins to worry that something has happened, and they're now looking for guidance. So they turn to Aaron, Moses' number two, and he suggests how they move forward. And he says, let's melt down the gold from the group and let's make a golden calf. So that's the scene as we have set it. But now I want to look at, let's look at some of maybe the intention behind why they did some of these things. And let's, let's see what we can learn about this group based on their actions of them creating this golden calf. So the first thing we can look, uh, that we can learn about them is that they are open to God uh, working through them through change. So what does that look like? So we know about this community. The, the, the title of the chapter is Exodus. So we know what's going on. They are in Exodus. They've been uprooted from their home. They are on a journey to freedom. And they have put their faith in these two leaders, Moses and Aaron. And from what we know about Moses and Aaron, these were not probably the best two leaders to be put in charge of this group. Um, Moses kind of has a temper. And Aaron, he sort of has a hard time putting things, you know, words together and, and conveying his point eloquently. So when you think about strong leaders to lead these people out of persecution, out of the worst time of their life into something new, these two probably weren't your first two picks in the draft. Uh, but they're, they're their leaders nonetheless. So Moses is gone, and now they turn to Aaron, who really is even a, probably a less of a candidate to lead them than Moses is. So they turn to Aaron. Aaron's a young leader, and he, he, he kind of panics. They're look, this whole community is looking to him like, Moses is gone. What are we going to do? Essentially asking him, are you going to let us stay here and die, or are you going to move us so we can kind of keep going? So Aaron, a young leader, he's like, well, I, I, don't know, I don't know what to do. So he just, the first thing that comes into his mind is, we, well, let's build an idol, I guess. I don't know. So he does it, and they all get together. And, and he says in verse 5, um, we're, we're, tomorrow we're going to have a festival to the Lord. So, so what I want to say here is that, that Aaron's effort should really be acknowledged. And I think the point that, that I want to drive home is that effort for God and effort towards God should always be counted as positive intent. So when we're thinking about our actions, when we're thinking about the act of worship, how we do it, most of the time we get it right. Most of the time when we're worshiping, we figure out, yeah, this is good. I'm having this connection with God. But sometimes, sometimes we might not get it right. And I think this is one of those times where the act of wanting to do something for God was really good, but the outcome, ah, not so great. But the effort, and what this, the, the intention and the motivation behind it, I think, is positive. And so I think 
that's, that's an important thing to think about. I think we forget that when we are approaching worship and we're approaching our time with God. We think we have to be perfect. or We think we have to have all of these things. No, no, it's just about our intent. It's just about that moment. It's just about that effort. So another thing that we can learn about this community is that they are intentional about their worship. They understood that the only way they could make it out of exile is to have the presence of God with them at all times. And what this community had done is they have, in a way, placed Moses as their God figure. So when they're like, okay, things are going wrong, people are, you know, there's times where they're running out of food, or people are getting sick, or they're thirsty, or, or elderly people are, are having a hard time keeping up with the pace, and so they're having to spend extra time, you know, moving the community along. All of these things are costing them resources, and, and they're getting more and more depressed, and they're getting more and more uh, desperate to just have God with, the, with them in their presence. And when Moses is there, they feel like, okay, well, at least we have Moses. But they put too much emphasis on Moses. Moses is not God. Moses is acting in accordance with God, and we, we, we see that later in this chapter, but Moses is just a man. Moses is just their leader. He's just flesh and blood, really. So as soon as their leader goes away, they feel an absence of God in their presence. So God is gone. What do they think to do? Okay, we need to bring God back into our presence. So how do we do that? Again, the intent was good. We need to build this altar of worship for the Lord. Again, we know we're not supposed to, that's not, in this time, that's not what was supposed to happen. But however, the intention behind it, we're going to do this for the Lord. Well, okay, they're, they're trying to take their limited knowledge and their limited resources and what they have that's very limited with them and say, okay, well, well, let's just make this for God. Let's just do the best that we can. And so I want to take a moment and think about what happens when communities are intentional with their worship towards God or they put God at the center. Well, what, what usually happens? Do they, do they usually all just like collapse and, and there's, they're plagued with all that? No. Communities that are intentional with their worship to God, they thrive. Even if they don't uh, become these rich, powerful empires, these communities still have something special because the presence of God is, is woven within them. So when you put worship uh, at the front, uh, you usually you're, you're a successful community. So God, though, is very, in this story, God is very mad about the idol. He's mad. He is so mad about it. He says in the, in the verse that these are stiff-necked people. They're stubborn. They're not going to learn. Something needs to happen. So in verse 11, in verse, in verse 11 through 14, I'm not going to read it, but if you, if you have it there, you'll kind of see there's this dialogue back and forth between God and Moses. And God's like, something, I got to do something. So get out of my way and let my wrath just be done. And Moses is like, now hang on a second. Wait a minute, though. Why would, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially God, or Moses poses the question to God, hey, why would these people put their trust in you to only turn their back on you later on? So Moses is saying, hey, God, I know their actions are incorrect. I, I get that. But, but what, what do their actions mean? 
That's what he's asking. What are, what are they trying to tell you? What, what are they trying to convey in their message of building this golden calf? Is, is essentially what I think Moses is trying to ask in this time. And what I think he's reminding God in this dialogue is that, hey, they're intentional about worship. Can't you see? Like, I, I, please see that. I don't think he's saying, can't you see that? But I think he's saying, I need you to see that. I need you to see that these people are intentional about their worship towards you, trying to bring you back within their midst. Maybe their effort wasn't great, or maybe their effort wasn't correct, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they are still crying out to you in worship. The intention behind it, I think, is really important. So what's the last thing that we can learn about this group? The last thing we can learn about this group is they are committed to each other, and they're committed to the survival of the group. So the first thing that Aaron asks the group to do is collect all of their gold all of them together. And they did it. it no, nowhere in the text does it say, and so-and-so was mad about it, or this group of people kept 10% of their gold for themselves for like a safe keeping later on. No. Everyone was like, okay, this is what Aaron said. We're all doing it. Take them all off. Put them in this thing. Everyone was, was, was on board. So what does this mean? That means they're all in. They're committed. They're committed to one each other and they're committed to survival because if they're not committed to one, each other, one another and they're not committed to survival, they're not going to make it. I mentioned that, they are going th that there were setbacks and running out of food and you know, things with the community. If they didn't go through all of those things, they wouldn't be the community that God intended them to be at the end of it. They had to go through starvation. They had to go through learning how to help every member of the community, both young and old, how to make this journey. They had no choice. It wasn't, okay, we're really sorry, 500 of you people, you gotta stay. Sorry, you gotta stay. We're gonna go and start a new life somewhere else, or we're gonna go and then we'll come back for you. No, no, everyone went together. That's a huge sacrifice and that's a huge commitment, but they were all in for God and they were all in for each other. So I asked the question before, what happens to communities that are intentional with how they worship? Well, they usually thrive. They're usually successful. Well, I'll ask the same question with, but in the context of being committed to God, what happens to communities that are committed to God and that are all in? What can God do when communities are all in? God can do anything. It's limitless what God can do. So the point that I want to make here is that it's easy to get back in line with God when we think about our intentions. And that goes individually and that goes for community as well. If we feel individually we're out of sync with God, we can pray and we can do all these things, we can read the Bible, but if you're still falling flat, maybe just think like, God, what am I bringing, what am I bringing to you right now? What, what do I need you to care about right now? And then thinking about that within our communities too. Bringing, our, bringing things, like bringing our full self into community means we have to bring everything, right? And as Christians, most of the time, we bring our best stuff. Uh, we bring uh, our, all of our, you know, Sundays, uh, you know, we, we bring our best things. I'm wearing my pink jeans today. These are my favorite jeans. <laughs> it's on Sunday, I can wear my favorite jeans, right? Bringing my best stuff to you people because... I, I am wanting to honor you all by having me here, right? So we bring our best. 
but that doesn't always mean we have our best or we always are our best. And when we're all in with community, we can carry these things with each other and for each other. And I think that's what we learn about this community as they're traveling through. They're learning how to carry all of these things for one another, with one another, uh, which takes practice and is hard. But again, their intention behind it is survival. And their intention behind their survival is we need to be, we need to survive so we can tell other people about how amazing God is and about how, he, about how God has brought us out of slavery and oppression into a new life and how God offers that for everybody now through Jesus, which is amazing. So to, to kind of wrap this up, uh, this story doesn't have the most Hollywood ending. If you read down, it gets, gets pretty gory. It gets pretty graphic. <sighs> Sorry, it's heavy for me. Uh, but there's, there's consequences to actions in this story. There's consequences to their actions. And I think what, what the, the author's trying to convey to us in this time is that there is a, a balance in the universe of how things go. And sometimes when things go out of balance, there are repercussions for when those things get out of balance. So what might we understand, though, for when those things become out of balance? What do we learn as we're rebalancing those things out? What might be some of the things that these social consequences, what, what might be some things that they produce? Well, one thing they might produce is a better understanding of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be in community and what does it mean to be a follower of God? It, 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 really, I want to think, like, better understanding is what does it mean when God is sort of out of sight? Do we understand how to be a Christian when we don't necessarily feel God right here with us? Do we know what to do or do we freak out like Aaron and we just do something, which is fine, but I think this story is trying to, to, to lead us into the thought process of, hey, when you don't feel the presence of God, just think about why. Maybe think about your intention of what you're bringing to God. Um, maybe it's something that you don't, are, are weirdly like setting up some sort of wall where you're like, I don't feel God, but it's because of the way that you are thinking about how you're approaching God. Maybe it's your intention. So better understanding. What does it mean when God is out of sight? How do we handle those situations? How, you know, understanding that sometimes we handle them like Aaron and, and forgiving ourselves when maybe we don't get it right, but understanding the intention behind it is positive. So another thing that these consequences might produce are stronger relationships. They produce stronger relationships with God and with each other. When you carry someone's burden alongside with them, you're bonded with them for life. You're fused with them for life. If you've ever walked with someone who is dealing with um, a medical diagnosis, a heavy medical diagnosis, and you're there with them going to their treatments or you're walking through them with their doctor's appointments, you're bonded with that person for life. When you have a friend who's addicted to medications or addicted to a pers uh, another person or a relationship and, and they're just so, they just can't get out of it, they're so addicted to it, and you walk alongside them with them, you're bonded with that person for life. And that's, that's real community. That's what God's inviting us into. That's a beautiful thing that we're invited to share with people. Um, but you have to go through 
you have to go through that tough part, right? We're actually carrying that thing with that person. That's so hard to do, but you're bonded with them for life. So what's another thing that you could, we could take away from this? More trust. Strength during uncertainty. How many times do churches go through times of uncertainty? So often in the cycle of church do we go through times of unknowing. People take time off. People come back from time off. People go off and do whatever they might do. Life happens. So what do you do when you're uncertain about things? We, you bond together and you have strength. And this, comp- this, this, uh, sh- this passage shows this about this community. Uncertainty. Moses was gone. Panic sets in. They, 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 worked, they worked on their strength together. They bonded together. And lastly, um, consequences or these consequences can lead us into a greater closeness with God who created us. Our soul's ultimate desire is to be reconciled back with God, to get right with God. That's righteousness, right? We're all seeking righteousness, to be right with God, to be in line, in step with God. Well, sometimes we get out of step with God, usually because it's something that we did. So when we're out of step with God, how do we get back in? We think about our intentions. God, I stepped out of line accidentally, but my intention behind that was this. So God, I want to get back in line with you, thinking about our intentions behind that. So, I've shared a lot, but I'd like three takeaways for us to walk away with today that I think we can feel good about. First thing is when we're open to God, good things can and will happen. And that's both individually and as a community. When we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, we allow things to happen. Now, we don't know necessarily what those things are. A lot of times you hear people open them up to the Holy Spirit and they say, I was led to go do something that was completely different than what I had thought. Okay, so what happens when, that, when you encounter in those situations? Well, it's helpful to have a community of other believers to talk about those things, right? One of the things that I'm working on uh, is planting a church in Sherman Oaks. So I'm not only working with David Kobe as their, um, their director of student ministries, but I'm also a church planter. So one of the things I'm thinking about is why? Why plant a church? What's, what's the point of that? Um, I'm planting a church because I'm open to God letting things happen in, in my area, in my life, and through the lives of other people. So when we're open to God, good things can and will happen. Uh, another takeaway, being intentional about worship reveals that that's our intention to put God in first in anything. So again, thinking both individually and as communities, when we put worship first, the act of approaching God and worship first, when we, put, when we put that, when we're intentional about it, it reveals our intention for God. So it reveals it to other people. So this is when we're talking about how do we live out our Christianity? How do we live out our faith? Well, let's live out our faith with positive intent. Let's live out our faith with turning the other cheek by granting people positivity. Um, let's think about those types of things when we're intentional with how we worship, we reveal how we are with God, and we reveal that to other people, and I think that's really important. This community reveals that they are dedicated to God. They're young, and they're a little bit misguided. doesn't matter. They're still dedicated to God. They're still moving in line with God, and that's the right intention. Lastly, and I think this is the most important thing, when we commit and we recommit to community, we can never be broken. My friends, that's good news. Because again, as we go through journeys in 
faith communities and, and individual, as we go through individual journeys, we feel at times that we may never be whole again, that we may always be semi-fractured. Um, but the good news is when we commit and recommit to God and to ourselves, we can never be broken. We can fill each other up. So while, again, this story, uh, may, you, you may not have heard this story before and thought like, oh, yeah, maybe it was a good thing that they built this calf. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is when we encounter other people, Christians and not, when we encounter other people and we're just like, I can't understand your actions. I can't understand why you would do that thing. Just think about the positive intent. Just think, what, what does their action reveal? What are they trying to tell me? What are they trying to reveal to me about themselves? And in that, friends, we're starting a really beautiful relationship with that person that's across from us. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you for the grace that you share with us so freely. May we take the grace that we are given and share it with those most in need of it. We ask that you open our eyes to see those who are unseen. And may we never forget the endless love we have access to when we set our intention on you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.